don't do it alone. Educate yourself and trust no one. Welcome, my friend, to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. And before we get into the show in today's episode, which I know you'll get a lot of value from because we're, we stay out of all the fluffy stuff and we get straight into the good stuff of real estate investing advice, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, and that's Patch of Land. Uh, they are making this show possible and they're making tons of flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping uh, because they have all the money available right now. Um, once you get approved for your your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower, um, you're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the, the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's, project's a success. Uh, they've got something really cool for you. So um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding, uh, they've come up with a guide. It's called the Top 10 Crowdfunding Questions Guide. And they're all the, the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They've got answers too. All the answers to those, those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, I'd check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and so glad you decided to join us today. This show is all about helping you get your real estate business moving forward. We interview the best ever guests on a daily basis and uh, we get their best real estate investing advice ever and we talk about how that's applicable to you in your life. We've interviewed Robert Kiyosaki from Rich Dad Poor Dad, Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Jay Papazon from the Keller Williams Group. He's co-authored many, many best-selling books and today We've got with us a wonderful best ever guest, Joey Noel. How you doing, Joey? Good, Joe. Thanks for the opportunity. My pleasure. My pleasure. And I'm I'm excited to to speak with you. Joey is based in San Jose, California. He's from Canada and he started the his story is really interesting and I think there's going to be a lot of lessons learned with this story. He started investing for appreciation, and as he puts it, he failed miserably. Then once he stopped investing for appreciation and changed his approach to buy and hold properties, he's had a lot of success. And he calls himself a newbie, but whenever you've got five properties in Indianapolis and one in Birmingham, I don't consider you a newbie, my friend. (laughs) Joey's also a registered nurse. And he works from 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. So he's got a non-traditional schedule. So I'm, I'm curious to know a little bit about how he fits in his investing with that type of schedule, too. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, Joe, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background before we dive into it and what you're focused on now? Sure. So 
I'm originally from Canada, Calgary, Alberta. That's where I went to university. And once I graduated from there, I started to make a little bit of money and got my first job. And the next thing was, you know, to buy my house or a primary residence to live in. So with no idea what I was doing, I just bought a nice townhouse in the city of Calgary. And then luckily enough, there was a big oil field boom there. And within one and a half to two years, the value of that property doubled. So I bought it for like 170000 and it was valued at like three, three in the 300s, you know, a couple of years later. So that's what really got me interested in real estate right off the bat was just the fact that, you know, there's so much potential to make a lot of money. You basically played the roulette table exactly. and you hit black. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, you know, that was going well for me. And then career-wise, I had an opportunity to come work in California. And California has the highest paid nurses in the world. So that was another kind of financial opportunity to come down here. But I wasn't quite sure if I would like it here. So I kept my house in Calgary. And I had some roommates that were kind of taking care of it and just paying me rent. And then once I was in California, you know, I met my wife. We decided to get another property in Canada because we had it in our mind that, you know, this is, there's nothing to it. You buy a house, it appreciates and you cash in on it. So, you know, just being so naive to it, we thought it was that easy. So we bought one in Canada and then we eventually bought uh, a condo for us to live in in California and then sold that condo when we started to have kids and we bought a, a, a like a bigger single family home and turned that condo into a rental. So in the end, we had three rentals, two in Canada, one in California, and then our primary residence. So by this time, it was, you know, 2006, 2007. So as I was buying all these properties, the market started to crash. Not so much in Canada, but definitely in California. So we decided that, you know, we were losing money. None of the properties were cash flowing and it was costing me money every month. So we decided to sell them all, including our single family residence. There was more to it, but we, we didn't like the area. The house was decreasing. We wanted to be closer to family. So we sold everything except for one property in Canada and just started renting for a couple of years. Fast forwarding now to like two, three years ago, 2013, we had another child. So we wanted to kind of secure our future and get back into owning a home. So we bought in San Jose, right in the, the central area of San Jose, because we kind of felt it had more value to it and luckily we were correct because you know the market in san jose was really hot the past two years and we got a quite a bit of equity built in it so with that equity and going from what i've read and educated myself a little more we used the we were deciding to use the concept of rich dad poor dad using other people's money so we took out a home equity line on that home and then decided to change our strategy this time because we had failed so miserably on appreciation 
And, you know, through networking and finding a team, we went with cash flow, buy and hold properties out in Indianapolis and Birmingham. Wow. That is a tale of two strategies. Yeah, we kind of failed and then now we're seeing a little bit of success. Yeah, you um you you got the San Jose property and as you said the market did well therefore you had some equity in the property. What were the the numbers? Will you share the numbers around that house? Sure. So I bought the house in 2013 for 700,000 and then a year later we decided we got the got it refinanced because, you know, in order to get to 20% down so that we would avoid uh, paying the PMI. So when we refinanced it a year later, the value had gone up to, it got appraised at 850. <laughs> That's great. Exactly. So once we saw that, we started to think about cash flowing, investing, and then waited another year, you know, did a little more research and decided to get the home equity loan. Uh, and then at that time, two years in, it got appraised at 930. So you got 930. How much was your home equity line of credit? Well, you see, this was one of my, my things was I was I was worried about getting too much. So I only took out 70,000 or I only applied for 70,000. But now as I get more experienced and educated, I'm actually in the process of increasing it to 250000 if they'll get it. I mean, it's still trying to get approved, but they said that at minimum I'll get is 200000 So I'm trying to max it out right now. I'm not necessarily going to use it all, but I just want it there if you know, in case I want to. What's the interest rate on that line of credit? It's 4.8-something, yeah. That's a good interest rate. Mm-hmm. When you got the 70K, I mean, you, you said you got the 70K from the home equity line of credit and then you bought homes. Well, you've got six homes, yep. five in Indianapolis and one in Birmingham. Yep. I imagine 70K doesn't buy six homes. So how did you finance those homes? So I went through networking. I met two or three investors or not investors, lenders, and then eventually picked one. I found one guy that could do loans that were less than 50000 which a lot of banks won't do. And then he was also investor-friendly. He was also able to, what he'd do was he'll include the rental income as income to help me qualify for the loans. So with this guy, his name's Sean Huss at Talmer Bank and Trust. Yeah, and he's actually from Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, wow. Yeah. What's the name of the bank? Talmer Bank and Trust. Talmer? How do you spell that? T-A-L-M-E-R. And what's his name? Sean? Sean Huss. Yeah. H-U-S-S? Yep. And how do you spell Sean? S-H-A-W-N. Okay. So you, you, how'd you come across Sean? Through referrals on bigger pockets. There's a lot of uh, investors that use him. And, you know, after buying one property with him, everything went so smooth. We just stuck it out with him and, you know, got all six with him. So he did, uh, he's a national lender. We um, did just conventional bank finance or yeah, conventional loans. And, 
You know, he was really nurturing with us and patient as new investors, which I thought was nice, too, because some lenders, you know, they want experience before they loan you some money. And, you know, with his help, I was able to pull it off and buy all these homes with pretty much not using any of my own money. And how does that work? How do you not use pretty much any of your own money? Because I imagine you still have to have money for a down payment, even when they include the rental income. Yeah. But maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, so I used the home equity line for the down payments on the mortgages with the with Talmer Bank and Trust. So seventy thousand dollars I was able to get you six homes yes. with conventional financing? Yeah. So there's these homes, a couple of them were like thirty five thousand I got. Two or three of them for that. So I mean, the mortgage, the down payment was only like seven thousand. I got two like for forty thousand, and then one for fifty, and then one in the sixties. And what percent down were you having to put on? Twenty percent down. So I had I what I did was with him, I'm allowed four properties with twenty percent down, and then after four, I have to put thirty percent down. So what we did is we put four in my name. And then I start putting some in my wife's name. Mm, okay. So between you two, you can have eight properties of 20% down. Yep. Yep. And then after that, it's going to be 30. And then going forward, our max for these loans is going to be 10 in each of our name. And then after that, we'll either have to start paying some off and getting more loans or get into more of like a portfolio lender. Portfolio lender meaning the bank or credit union keeps the loan in their portfolio or rolling them all under one loan? Yeah, like rolling them all under one loan or basically we're just going to have to, you know, find another way to get more money. And that's one option. What type of reserves are required or credit score? And I know you're not the actual mortgage broker, but just if you can remember, what, what type of other qualification did you need? You know, they didn't really mention anything about reserves. I'm sure my income as a nurse helped to some extent. And then the credit score that was needed was a 720. So how are you doing all of this working? And I didn't mention this in the intro, but you are not only a registered nurse working 3 p.m. to 11 p.m., but you work in the ER. So uh, I see you. I work in the ICU. ICU. Yeah. Yeah. I see you. Yeah, well... <laughs> it's almost um, the same. <laughs> yeah, I I would imagine. How are you able to do this since you're working during the hours that normal people well not know <laughs> it's it traditionally people work. Yeah. And so how do you coordinate your business? Well, as I work at three till eleven, a lot of my time working at investing is in during the day from like eight in the morning. Till you know, I start getting ready to work at two. At the same time, I'm at home, you know, watching my kids and playing with them and things like that. So I just kind of manage to get it in there a couple hours a day just for fun, a lot of networking and researching, things like that. And then being out of state, I use a lot of local investors. And then the biggest part for me and my strategy is I use turnkey companies to help me. Ah, interesting. What are the turnkey companies you use? I use FS Houses in Indianapolis. And right now we're working on moving, getting our portfolio into Birmingham. And over there, 
I'm starting to build a relationship with a guy named Justin Harrison, who's a turnkey provider. And then the Decus Group is another turnkey provider. And they're separate companies, but they kind of help each other. So Justin's properties, a lot of them are managed by the Decus Group. So I actually bought my first one with Justin, and then Decus is managing it right now. Now, I understand how you might have come across Indianapolis. You know, you're from Canada, you live in San Jose. Indianapolis has, yeah, I say some people talk about it from an investment standpoint. So I, I can understand how you came across that. Yeah. How did you come across buying a house in Birmingham, Alabama? So my wife is a real good researcher when it comes to the internet and things like that. So, you know, just by her doing her research, she, she suggested it. So I started to kind of ask around on bigger pockets about the area. And then I was finding that a lot of the like more experienced investors were actually recommending it, saying that it's kind of like a low key market. You know, it's the, it's not as, as a strong economy as Indianapolis, but the numbers still work there. And then the purchase prices are lower than other markets. So as a beginner, we thought we could get more money, more homes for our, for our money that way. And then uh, after visiting the area, we fell in love with it just on a personal level. I mean, it's a beautiful city. The, all the homes are nicely spread out. The terrain is, uh, you know, something that I would love to live in with hills and trees and big lots and backyards. And then the downtown was really nice and clean. There was um, a lot of revitalization going on. So you visited it before you purchased? Yep, absolutely. Okay. And with the numbers on those homes, on average, or if you know exactly for each of them, but it, I, I know it can be difficult whenever you got six of them, mm-hmm. but on average, what are the numbers? How much are you putting in your pocket after expenses? So... I just started cash flowing on this one just like this month because I just closed last month. So it's kind of too early to tell, but from our, you know, our own pro formas that we do and we're pretty um, conservative when we do them for a B class property out there, I should be bringing in, you know, 180 a month with a cap rate at like, you know, nine to 10% somewhere around there. And, um, that's for the B class properties. And then the C class properties are more like, you know, 225 to 250 a month on cash with the cap rates in like, you know, 11 to 12%. And so that was the Birmingham house. What about the Indy houses? The Indy houses, they're similar, but the difference with Indy is that the prices seem to recently have gone up a little bit, in our opinion. I went to Indy back in, I made my first trip in November, and then my second one was in this, in January. So I was there when, you know, it's not really the time or like popular time for investors to be out there. So, and it was freezing cold. So I seemed to find a lot of deals at that time. And then now, as a, I was approaching May and June, it seemed like there was less inventory, more demand. And I was unable to, you know, find the same kind of properties that I had found earlier. 
So I decided to go, you know, to Birmingham. But with the properties that you do have in Indy, on average, how much per month are you making? 200 at a minimum, but, you know, I'm getting these big ticket items. 200 a minimum on my pro forma, and then how much I'm actually making is kind of hard to calculate right now because I just had some big ticket items, like I had to replace a furnace in one and an HVAC in another. So it's hard to say when I, I haven't actually calculated it for the since the time I've owned them. But, you know, I'm just guessing it's probably some properties I make 300 a month that aren't giving me any pairs or issues with vacancy or anything like that. And then uh, the ones that have, I, I really don't know right now. I have to kind of look at the long term. That makes sense. Yeah. And is a long-term play for you to own them free and clear after paying off the mortgages? Yep, yep. And then, uh, you know, keep them into retirement. Joey, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? My best advice would be from, you know, my story that we just talked about is to don't do it alone. Educate yourself and trust no one. Trust no one? Yeah, well, not at, at I focus to the like to the rookie investor. You know, trust is built over time in my opinion. You can't just go out there and take everybody's word for it that everything's going to be fine. You know, take it slow. Build uh, these relationships and then, you know, you can kind of start letting your guard down. So trust but verify? Yeah, that's probably more appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it. Now it's time for you to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land, they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D dot com forward slash best ever. Joey, what's the best ever book you've read? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And best ever listeners, I know that you've probably heard this, but in case this is the first time, Robert Kiyosaki stopped by the best ever show recently, and you can Google his name and my name together and listen to his episode. Best ever personal growth experience, and what'd you learn from it? You know, as I grow as an investor, I used to get really upset with any issues or rent and, uh, or repairs and things like that with my rentals. Smallest little thing used to really set me off and, you know, I'd start blaming people for it. And now I'm just realizing this is part of the game. Uh, you know, this is what I signed up for and this is something that you need to take care of. So I handle these situations a lot more, you know, I keep calm and remain strong and I am able to manage them a little more effectively. Yeah. And that makes sense based on, you know, the, the stereotypes that I have in my head of Canadians just being very friendly and patient. And then also you working in the ICU Mm -hmm. where you're coming across all sorts of things where it's like, you know, nothing you've basically seen everything under the sun from a medical condition, I imagine. So, um, it's like, if there's an HVAC that goes out, it's like, well, all right, I don't, you know, I don't have a a pike in my leg right now. So I I think I'm okay. That's right. (laughs) And I have no idea why a pike came to, came to my (laughs) mind. I think in like medieval times or something, I don't know where my head's at right now. 
But whatever. That's funny. What's the best ever deal you've done? You know, with FS Houses in Indianapolis, when I made a second trip out there, their inventory was kind of low, especially being in the winter and all. So I used their realtor to get one property off the MLS, and they found a real gem for me. It was a guy who was living in the basement, and he had turned the upstairs into a suite, uh, and he was living there renting the upstairs out. But this guy completely rehabbed the whole property, top to bottom, new mechanicals. I mean, just a beautiful property. And then uh, I managed to get a real sweet deal on it for $36,000, with, with the rent being seven hundred dollars as a whole. So I was like getting really close to that 2% rule. And so far since I've bought that property, I haven't had any issues with it. Nothing. Like not even a phone call. That's awesome. And will you very quickly explain the 2% rule in case a best ever listener hasn't heard of it? Yeah, so the 2% rule is like the, the rent to purchase price ratio. It's just like a general way to quickly evaluate a property based on that. I mean, people say 2% rule means you're doing really, really awesome. But in most cases, from what I'm seeing, it's almost like it's not really realistic. A more ideal or realistic number, at least for the markets that that I invest in, is like anywhere from 1.4 to you know 1.7 percent. Yeah, that was the range of whenever I was buying single-family homes in Dallas-Fort Worth. That was the range that I was getting in. So yeah, an example being if the rent's 1,200 bucks, then if your property's $120,000 purchased, and that's 1%. If it's $60,000 purchased, and that would be 2%. So somewhere in that range in between there. Yep, exactly. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? Right now, I'm really excited about working in Birmingham. So like I had my properties in Indianapolis, and we were happy there. I'm definitely more comfortable buying properties in Indianapolis just because of those trusting relationships with FS Houses. But now we're like uh, focusing on Birmingham to diversify geologically and, you know, build another relationship with another turnkey provider in another market. And, you know, just working with Justin Harrison and the Decus group is kind of uh, what we're really excited about right now. What's the best ever way you like to give back? You know, uh, I'm a big believer in giving back. So paying it forward is uh, real important to me. I had a lot of other investors, rookies, really experienced investors helped me when I started. And, you know, I kept wondering, why are these people helping me? And, you know, it's just because they like to help. They love to educate. And now that I'm getting a little more experience, I can kind of relate and see why others were helping me. So I'm doing the same. I'm very active on bigger pockets. And then, you know, just for this reason alone, I started my own Twitter account. It's at rookie underscore invest. That's my Twitter account. I started a blog that, you know, I put a little bit of info on what I'm doing and things I've learned on a weekly basis about real estate. Uh, that blog is uh, rookie real estate investors on Tumblr. And then I'm actually, because I get a lot of contact on bigger pockets people wanting to hear my story, kind of what tools I use, how do I uh, evaluate markets and things like that. So I decided I'm, I'm in the process right now of developing my own website. 
where people can just go there and read all my experiences, all the stuff I've learned and, you know, little tools there. And then I've used, uh, I, I reached out to all the other kind of rookie investors that I've met and they're on board to help me with this website so that awesome they can, uh, you know, put their stories on it and their expertise as well. And then they also agreed to like, I'm going to have like a list of mentors, like called rookie mentors, so they can kind of see a different angle on things and just have people connect with them that way in the different markets across the nation. What would you say out of your entire real estate experience would be the biggest mistake you've made? My biggest mistake, it's all related to the inspection reports on these properties. I probably should have educated myself a little more right from the start how to read these things. You know, I started off just reading them myself and talking to the actual provider, which of course is going to give you a, a biased opinion on the inspection because they're trying to sell you the property. So now with more experience and education and talking with other investors, I'm learning how to read them a lot better and I'm not missing anything. Like um, in one of my properties, I missed the fact that it had mold in the basement. And I'm actually dealing with that right now, where I got to rip out the entire basement, drywall, replace it all, put a dehumidifier in, a, a new sump pump. You know, there's close to seven, 8,000 probably in repairs there. I'm still working on in the cold. Was it in the inspection report and you just you didn't see it? It was, and I completely missed it. The way it was worded was like, you know, it was really small. It wasn't even in an area that I would think for mold. I think it was like, it, sh it said something like signs of water and, you know, possibly mold, which I thought, you know, that's nothing, you know, possible mold. Well, <laughs> it's not obviously there, but it was clearly there and it was through the entire basement. And got it, you know, and then. Even talking with the provider on this, there was other issues with the property and he would fix them and take pictures and send it back to me. So another regret I have was that I was just trusting him that he fixed all this stuff and I never got a reinspection. So now finding out that, you know, this property had mold, I'm starting to think, you know, what else was wrong with it? Did he actually fix the things that he said he was going to fix? And I have a big regret on uh, not getting a reinspection. So moving forward, we always, no matter what, no matter how much I trust the provider or think I could trust him, we get an inspection and I get a second opinion on it from a more experienced investor and then uh, always a reinspection. Well, Joey, that is a couple very good lessons. And then your career in real estate working um you know from where you start investing for appreciation didn't do so well then you change your approach and now you've got these these cash flowing properties for the most part once the dust settles on a couple of them with some larger repairs and thank you for sharing about the larger repairs just to kind of have a dose of of reality yeah in investing because it, it is you know with single family homes i mean you you're making 100 200 bucks on average or at least I am with mine and then if something you know if a tenant moves out and you I mean you might have to spend $5000 mm -hmm. on repairs yeah. just to get it move in ready so really it's it's a long term play 
with these single family homes and, and it sounds like that's that's what you're you're focused on yeah. as well. I gotta kinda remind myself sometimes, you know, that it's the long term and, you know, try not to get up and get caught up in all this short term gains because, you know, in reality it's a long, steady, you know, process. Absolutely. And thank you so much for going into how much money you were needing for the homes, the different specific contact people that you're working with, Mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of the numbers behind each of the properties and the percent down and credit scores. You said 720 credit score, Mm -hmm. 20% down for the first four units you personally have. And so you're spreading that out with your wife. She's putting in four under her name. And then the max loans you can have would be 10 in each of your names. Then you're going to look into more of an umbrella or portfolio loan where you roll them all into one. So thank you for being on the show, sharing your advice, also talking about the power of a home equity line of credit, using your personal, uh, your primary residence and using that to fund future deals. Fantastic conversation. So glad we were able to connect. And we'll talk to you soon. Great. Thanks, Joe. Take care.